This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered, beginning right now. Welcome one, welcome all. It is J.C. and Morgan. Hope you are doing well. We are doing this live on a Monday morning, which will be our uh, regularly uh, scheduled time uh, for the most part every now and then with the other things that J.C. and I do. Uh, conflicts come about, but uh, again, we're with you throughout the entire quote-unquote offseason, although there really is no such thing in college football, as you will be able to <laughs> further validate when we get into our headlines and the J.C. Five and everybody and everything else. Uh, it is freezing cold in much of the country, including where JC resides in the windy city of Chicago. Uh, pretty chilly here in uh, my hometown of Atlanta as well, and uh, it seems like everything in between just Arctic uh, cold conditions. Happy MLK Day, everybody. Uh, for a number of you, that's a holiday, uh, and maybe you're taking care of some honeydew lists or whatever the case may be and still finding time to listen to us on every platform imaginable uh, audio only that would be Spotify that would be iTunes that would be Google Play video to see our shining faces pop up on your screen it is YouTube it is Facebook it is Twitter uh, speaking of Twitter at Morgan on air at JC Sherbert how about Instagram uh, JC Sherbert and yes somebody else says Morgan on air so I'm Morgan on air 22 as it uh, turns out um lots to get to as i mentioned and jc it's funny sometimes the timing of these things i believe when we were on last week maybe an an hour after we signed off the saban news came down i i'm pretty sure it was relatively soon after we um signed off and 
needless to say, we didn't discuss it because we couldn't predict the future that Nick Saban, who had just led his team to yet another playoff, just led his team to another SEC championship, just had another great recruiting class coming, uh, anticipating Jalen Milrow getting only better another year at quarterback. Uh, And oh, by the way, because we had Shane Beamer on, South Carolina head football coach on the ITG show, I think it was on Friday, and he shared something with us that I had not heard anywhere else. They had a coaches meeting the day before. When I say they, I mean the SEC. So every so often, all 14, soon to be 16, SEC coaches will go on a conference call and talk about whatever issues plague the sport and whatever issues uh, that they hope to make better. Nick Saban was on that call. On that call and talking about the same things that the other 13 coaches were. And then uh, there was a scheduled meeting for Alabama, I think at 4 o'clock. And right around 3.55, I think, is if you take everything at face value, is when Nick decided definitively he is not coming back. I say all that to point out he wrestled with this decision. decision. It's clear. And um, while he doesn't want this to be – you never want to leave on a, on a bitter note – whether it's an employer that did you wrong or whether it's a certain thing that's disturbing you. But there is no question, and I've shared uh, on this show and others about my last conversation with Nick Saban, which was a little more than a year ago, November, where we sat in a coaches meeting about to broadcast an Alabama game, and for 25 of the 30 minutes we shared, it was all about what is wrong with college football right now. And he was holding back. He was not holding any punches back. Uh, and I sensed a man that clearly was not happy. And it's not as if it was, you know, tilting the the scale where Alabama, because everybody just assumes everybody's self-serving, right, in the sport of college football, and, and sometimes that's a very good assumption. It's not as if Alabama was falling backwards. Alabama uh, was going to be a dominant force in college football, no matter what rules you set up. If Nick Saban's there, they're going to win. If Nick Saban's there, they're going to recruit. If Nick Saban's there, they're going to get some guys in the portal. And in a 12-team playoff, Nick Saban was going to be there virtually every year. So the game hadn't passed him by. He still relates to players and all these new things with college football. Uh, they didn't exactly damage Alabama. He just truly thought fundamentally a lot of the things that are going on right now are wrong. And I can tell you, JC, every coach I speak to in both the sports of football and basketball believe virtually the same thing. So he's certainly not alone. But that finally... I don't care what anybody says, was the, the final straw. Because he has not lost any, he hadn't lost a, a mile an hour on his fastball or any desire to, to do all the things that you have to do to be a, a quality football coach. Uh, he, he's more than happy to, to kill it in recruiting and to, and to go on countless uh, talk shows to continue to publicize the brand. This was clearly a sign of the times, and we've talked about it with other coaches, be it Jay Wright, be it uh, all the basketball coaches that have uh, parted ways, and you've said it a number of times, it's no longer just about coaching ball, and a lot of these guys just want to coach ball. They don't want to They don't want to have to play these games. So the news comes down. He clearly wrestled with it, and I think for a lot of people, forget about Alabama fans, for a lot of people, first you're stunned, then I, I would say I was a little bit sad. I I I I was mourning the fact that we just lost the greatest coach to ever do it 
And so I get it. Like if you're an, if you're a rival, you're like, well, I'm not sad. We we just weakened Alabama, and now we get. I, I get it. If that's your stance, I understand. But as someone who doesn't have a dog in the fight, I was a little bit sad. I, I'm going to miss the guy, uh, and I didn't have that personal relationship with him. I just I I love excellence, and we're losing Bill Belichick potentially if he doesn't take the Cowboy job, um, potentially in the NFL. Uh, I admire brilliance. I admire people who are outstanding in whatever they do. And we just, <laughs> boom, boom, lost two of the best um, that have ever done it in the sport. So we'll start there, JC. Uh, your reaction to to when the news broke, again, not long after we signed off last week, and, and what you think it means, an end of an era now, with Nick Saban out of the sport that he helped build uh, during his time in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I picked a heck of a day. I, I had a flight uh, out to South Carolina and uh, picked a heck of a day to be delayed by seven hours at the airport. Mm. Uh, and look, O'Hare is far enough from where I live to where it made no sense to spend 120 bucks and Uber back and then Uber back. So I just sat at the bar. <laughs> Had to sip and be careful, you know, uh, the whole day. And all of a sudden, all this news just floods in, not just, you know, Saban, but the other ones. Pete Carroll? Oh, my God. You know, yeah. You don't talk about two Titans. Um, and Pete sort of, when, when Pete left college football, he kind of passed the baton to Nick Saban in a lot of ways. Uh, and probably because Urban Meyer was, you know, leaving Florida quickly at that point. Um so, I mean, it's sad, you know, and you, you do respect those guys. I, I respect Nick Saban for a lot of reasons. I, I think that his um, approach to not only football but living your life uh, is one we can all learn from. Uh, you know, it's it's very disciplined. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, it's tough. But, uh, you know, I, I, I tell our kids, you know, uh, my stepsons, every, and it's directly from Nick Saban, every day you wake up, and you have choices. Uh, and there's things that we don't want to do that we have to do. And then there's things that we want to do that we can't do. And how you make those choices uh, each and every day adds up to how successful you are or not. And it's, a, it's kind of a little mental toughness thing there. Uh, and, and so he's right. You know, you can sit there and listen to one of the speeches he gives uh, corporate because he makes a bunch of money doing that um, or or his camps at Alabama where he's talking to high school players, um, things he says to his players. I'm I'm fascinated because, you know, there, there, there was an unofficial book that came out about him. And I don't know, always kind of people write books about people that, uh, you know, uh, people write books about people that, and they don't talk to them or whatever. I, I don't, I don't get that. And he was upset about it. It was an interesting book. Nonetheless, I read the whole thing. Uh, but when he writes his book, I, I'm, I'm going to be sure to read it. And uh, by the way, Scott, just to let you know, Gamecock talk is at 11. This is JC and Morgan <laughs> and we're, we're broad college football. So, uh, jump back on at 11 brother. If you want to, uh, yeah, it, uh, to answer your question, the, it affects but, everybody. Not just one program. Yeah, in the say, SEC. And, 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 yeah. Say Alabama is on this Gamecock schedule next year, but no, this is a, <laughs> this is a different branded show. And I, and I get it. Cause it's, it kind of all goes on the same channel, but, uh, yeah. So don't worry. We're going to talk plenty. Game Mike's on today. 
on the Gamecock show too. So we will, uh, we'll look forward to that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and whenever somebody like that, who's not only helped, you know, had great football players and, and, and but you know, think about Alabama through the years. I mean, they've had problems just like everybody in terms of players getting in trouble for, from every now and then, you know, Henry Ruggs was probably the saddest one because Henry didn't get in trouble in college. And then what happened to him was, was just, uh, you know, a big, huge mistake. He didn't make the right choices. Right. Um, but by and large, he put out a lot of great citizens while he was there. That's not always easy yeah. to do when you're a powerhouse. I mentioned Urban Meyer earlier at Florida. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's not always easy to do because sometimes uh, the more talented guys are, are the guys that are kind of knuckleheads. They get in mm-hmm. trouble. Um, Alabama, they were so good with their evaluation process. And I told everybody this. It's not that they just went through all the five stars and signed them all. Uh, many times Alabama would find a five star and people talked about the Bama bump. Well, that was usually because the player was really good, and, and they took the right five stars. That's why they were so good each and every year. You know, toward the end, I don't know. You know, toward the end, did the portal hurt them a little bit as far as death? Probably. You know, did the NIL thing, you know, for a guy that's in the 70s, is that something he really wanted to deal with? Probably. We'll talk about that later. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was a hell of a career. And he, I am, I am curious to see what he does now, Mike, because I think he should go into your line of work. I think he should strongly Agreed. consider going to game day. Uh, and I think we all, as fans, would love to see that because, I, frankly, if there's one coach that I want to hear what he has to say from an X's and O's and analysis standpoint, it's him. I mean, I'm always, I, I, I'd love to sit in a room and watch film with the guy. I think I'd learn more in 30 minutes with him than I have my whole career. Uh, so that would be a blessing and a benefit for all of us fans if he does decide to go that route. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. He said, well, they say don't start a broadcasting career when you're 80s. Well, he's only 72 so, and a young one at that. So Very we'll, young. See what, we'll see what happens. I I, uh, I think that, you know, it, as with any transition for a guy that's been there that long, there is some sadness that takes place. But, I mean, just like when Spurrier hung it up in 2015 in the middle, you know, everybody around the country was kind of sad. Yeah, absolutely. Want, just like uh, Will Ferrell, let's get, you know, or, or, or Christopher Walken wants more cowbell. We all want more head ball coach. We all want more Saban. And, you know, they don't make them like – and, you know, one th- thing Saban always said, they don't make them like they used to, and they don't. And so as we move forward, you know, it, it gets sad to see some of these iconic guys who transcend the sport, you know, get out of, uh, you know, get out of the way. And, uh, and you know, it, it, it's extra tough, I think, to our psyche in a certain way because there's been so much change in the sport. So, I mean, next year it's going to be unrecognizable. And then to lose Nick Saban, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, he was kind of a constant. So that's tough. That's tough. So we'll see what happens. That's a great point you make about it's a different era. And, like, when I look at – and this is not to take away anything from the new wave of great coaches, a couple of which just got hired, and we're obviously going to talk about that too. Um, there are now shortcuts – to becoming the head coach of a premier premier program. A lot of guys are getting jobs based solely on the ability of 
talent acquisition, let's call it. Okay. Um, brand name, uh, their ability to manipulate the portal and NIL. I, 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 this is going to sound whatever. I don't, I don't really care. I mean, hell, you and I are not that old, to be honest with you. But we're old enough to remember you didn't get to Saban's place in history, Spurrier's place in history, Belichick's place in history, Pete Carroll's place in history. You couldn't just charm your way into Hall of Fame-like greatness and those type of opportunities. You had to really first establish yourself in the X's and O's world. You had to pay your dues. You had to work a number of jobs um, in order to just continue to climb the ladder. And then you had to prove that, quite frankly, you were smarter than the other guys that were doing it. And now it's almost, there's this backdoor channel of guys who are like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know X's nose, kind of, sort of. And I, I took this from this guy, and I stole this from that guy. And we don't have, like, a lot of innovators, I would say, compared to what we used to have. Like, Nick Saban's an innovator. Steve Spurrier was an innovator. Um, and it wasn't just taking, well, he runs a 4-3. Well, he runs a 3-3-5. Well, he, Spurrier runs a spread. And uh, it's the adjustments that you make in the middle of the game. As I've often said, you know, you can steal the barbecue recipe and 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 that's in that line of work, you might not be quite as good as the original chef, but you can kind of you can kind of almost duplicate it. See in football in the course of a three and a half hour game, you don't just stick to the script. That recipe changes based on events that happen in the middle of the game. And these are guys that were so far ahead of the rest of the pack in knowing how to make those changes and what to do. And that's where a lot of coaches that kind of take the shortcuts, they struggle. Because they, you know, again, they have marketed themselves well, or their agency has, or Jimmy Sexton has. And they know how to sell, sell, sell. They're kind of like used car salesmen in terms of getting players so they can, they can, they can get you a good roster. But they really don't know in-game coaching. And I think there's a lot of that that goes on now. And I think we're losing some of the great, true minds of the sport. Now, some of you might roll your eyes at that and say, come on already. Enough with that. Let's let's move on to the new page. I'm just telling you, it's it's different for a lot of these guys. No disrespect to any of the names we're going to talk about that are about. And some of these names are actually very much in line with what I'm talking about. Like Kalen DeBoer and Jed Fish, they didn't take any shortcuts. Go look at those resumes. Go do a Wikipedia uh, on on DeBoer and I mean DeBoer. I, I, this drove me crazy, JC. I'm driving around. I had a basketball game at Auburn on Saturday, and I'm driving, uh, God knows where, in in uh, eastern Alabama, western Georgia, somewhere. I'm crossing I-85 toward Columbus, and and I'm I'm listening to a national show, and this guy's talking about the hire of Kalen DeBoer. And, of course, you, I mean, you've got some people saying Brian Harson. That's such an ignorant take, but whatever. Um, and he's saying, yeah, you know, he won all these titles at NAIA, but nobody cares. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. You're wrong, sir. That means a lot because here's the deal. Coaches that win championships at places like an NAIA school, you want to know the difference of an NAIA school or an FCS school or even a Group 5 school where a lot of these guys like Fish and DeBoer had success before they got their quote-unquote big breaks? 
is that you don't have an advantage in talent. You don't. That's why some of the best coaching candidates always come from the MAC, because every one of those schools has the same deficiencies. They don't have NIL money. They don't have a great recruiting blueprint geographically. So it's like my my Jimmys and Joes are the same as your Jimmys and Joes. Let's see who let's see who's the better coach. Whereas in a lot of college football cases, it's just I got a loaded roster. You don't. I'm going to beat you by 30 tonight. There's nothing you can do about it. So when a Kalen DeBoer in Sioux Falls goes 67-3 and and wins three titles, it's not because Sioux Falls had a million dollars more NIL money. It's because he just outcoached the competition, right? And so that's, you know, to me, when I look at great coaches, they were – Nick Saban won wherever he was. Michigan State, LSU. Uh, you, you go back to his, his early years as, as an assistant in all these different places, building block after building block after building block. Jed Fish was a guy who didn't even play football. He's a tennis player. He's a tennis player who, who went to Florida for one reason, so that he hoped he would get a chance to be a grad assistant for Steve Spurrier and kept writing letters and kept doing everything he could just to get his foot through the door, and he did it. And then he kept grinding and grinding, job after job after job after job. So these guys didn't take any shortcuts, and they proved that they're with the with equal talent, they can win. And of course, the case of Fish, he takes a mess in Arizona and turns it around. In the case of DeBoer, he takes a mess at Washington and wins twenty one consecutive games and has has their team four quarters away from a national championship. So. I don't know why anybody would question either one of those hires, but it's out there. It's out there because, JC, how many – I talk about this all the time with other openings. And you think like the athletic director has some magic wand, and he, you know, he's got the the snake oil salesman uh, special that he can convince somebody who doesn't like your job to take your job. A lot of Alabama fans came in with the attitude of, "We can get whoever we want because we're Alabama." And if Alabama can't, who can? Right. So Steve Sarkeesian should should have walked away from Texas, but he didn't. Dan Lanning should have worked, walked away from Oregon, but he didn't. Lane Kiffin, who I'm not convinced, based on his last stint in Tuscaloosa, knowing what I know, I'm not convinced a lot of people were ready to pull the trigger on that. But I'm also not convinced Lane Kiffin was ever going to leave Ole Miss. Uh, but a lot of Alabama fans are convinced they should have been able to do it, and they didn't. And some even think that Kirby Smart, how dare you not leave Georgia and come to Alabama, Um the fact of the matter is you couldn't get whoever you wanted. The fact of the matter is this is almost an impossible job to follow a guy who won six national titles. But the fact of the matter is you got a hell of a coach in Kalen DeBoer. This is not Brian Harson. Look at the two resumes. Stack them up. It's just not. Uh, oh, by the way, Ryan Grubb, who turned down the Alabama job as an OC, Nick Saban asked him to be his OC, and Grubb said, no, I'm going to stay at Washington. Well, they get him too. So I think Alabama made all the right moves here. Um, but I, I, uh, whether or not it works out, who, who the heck knows? I'm sorry, I went off on five tangents there. J.C., Senator from Illinois, you have the floor. No, it's it's perfectly okay. You're right. And I, and I have some things about this Harson DeBoer. Uh, just some thing. I, I do think Kayla DeBoer can learn some lessons from Brian Harson. I don't think they're similar in coaches at all. I, I think you know Brian Harson was 
pretty average as a coordinator at Texas, pretty average at Arkansas State, where up until, uh, gosh, whoever it was before Butch Jones got there, that, that program was winning and sending coaches. I mean, Hugh Freeze coached there, Gus Malzahn coached there, uh, Blake Anderson coached there. I mean, it was, uh, uh, you know, I, I just, it was kind of a cradle of, it was kind of like, um, App State for a while, or, or a cradle of coaches for a while, just a, a Cincinnati, if you will, Cincinnati and Northeast Arkansas. Uh, so I was never convinced that was the guy. I thought, you know, look, people of Dan Hawkins got it going at Boise, or Houston Nutt actually did. And then Dan Hawkins took over him and won, and then Chris Peterson was next level and, and actually was a proven guy. And how hard is it to win at Boise? You know, I mean, they. They fired a guy this year, and they won a conference championship. <laughs> Maybe it's a little harder than we thought. But uh, I, I think this – you look around college football, Mike, and you mentioned – you made a great point. Look at who's, like, winning and doing more with, quote, unquote, less. In other words, programs that don't necessarily recruit in the top ten. Um and for a few years, it was basically two guys, P.J. Fleck and Matt Campbell at Minnesota and Iowa State. And it's kind of funny they're still there. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why, but they're still there. Um, maybe look at that Arizona job if I were one of them. I mean, I don't, Arizona obviously probably can't pay as much as Minnesota. But uh, you, you, you look at it and, you know, so who, who's winning kind of at places that you go, wow, they're winning. Well, Lance Leopold. <laughs> He coached D2 ball and, and made a winding journey. Uh, Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, which, uh, you know, after the Ron Prince fiasco for three years, Bill Snyder had to come back and take the job over again and uh, and and kind of played out the string. And I think a lot of times a lot, a lot of us were like, well, nobody's going to win there but Bill Snyder. Kleiman comes in and they're, they're winning championships of nine, ten games a year. I mean, that's Kansas State. That's a hard job. Um Willie Fritz. Uh, Willie Fritz has won 208 football games as a head coach. Started at Blinn Junior College. Central Missouri for 12 years. Uh, Sam Houston State, Georgia Southern, Tulane, now Houston. Finally at Power 5, but at a newcomer. To the, and I guarantee you they're going to win. You know, so, so who's winning? I mean, Kalen DeBoer was that kind of guy. You know, Washington did a good – Washington's talented. Washington had a lot of talent, but, I mean, it's not like they recruited as much talent as Alabama or Georgia. Or, he did it at Fresno, too. And he won at Fresno. Now, that's a job – yeah, Fresno, they, they're they usually pretty good. But, mm-hmm. but look, I mean, back to the Pat Hill days, right? But, but man, I mean, you want to talk about the guys that are at places that are hard to win that are actually winning – or these guys that have worked their way up. You know, if Brian Kelly's last two jobs hadn't been Notre Dame and LSU, he'd be in that category as well because he was at Grand Valley State for 10 years. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. I think a lot of its agents, a lot of its athletic directors are sort of political people. Uh, Greg Byrne, to me, made a very good hire and hired the best football coach. I, I'll say this right now. I, I think Kalen DeBoer is a better football coach than Mike Norvell or Steve Sarkeesian. I'll just be honest. And it's in his track record. He's 104 and 12. <laughs> you, you just don't you just don't roll up that kind of record and not know what you're doing. There, there are some pitfalls to this job, but unlike when you hired Mike Price 
and you're like, oh, well, well we're going to revolutionize the Alabama offense, and, and the guy's done a great job at Washington State, which he did. We talked to Ryan Leaf about that. But if you look at his year-to-year record, he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't one hundred and four twelve. You know, Mike Shula, native son, will hire him. You know, uh, they could have gone and hired somebody from the NFL that used to coach at Bama. There are a lot of them, uh, Dable, Brian Dable, or somebody like they did with Ray Perkins. You could have hired, you know, the up and comer from down the road, uh, like they did with Bill Curry when they plied him and went plied him away from Georgia Tech. You know. They didn't do that. They hired the best football coach they possibly could hire. And I'll take my chances with that as kind of uh, the guy that follows the guy more so than the name. You know, Will Muschamp said something one time uh, that made sense uh, when when he was at South Carolina talking about how he wasn't the big name for the job. And he, he said he told Ray Tanner when he got hired, he's like, let's win football games, not the press conference. Unfortunately, Will didn't win enough football games, but that always resonated with me. Like we have so much hype in the sport to the nth degree because recruiting, social media, rumors. It is a three hundred and sixty-five day a year gig, right? To, to 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 be plugged into this this monster. But at the end of the day, the hype without substance means very very little. There's not yeah. a lot of guys winning based on just that hype and the perception. That perception matters in this sport uh, more than just about any other sport on earth because you're determining a champion uh, still by a selection committee. And now there's only 12 spots. You used to do it by vote. Polls, people vote in the polls. They matter. Um, recruiting is based on perception a lot. you got to have the perception out there that you're an up-and-coming program that can fill kids' needs. Um, it, it, it's getting away from that to a certain extent, but it's still awfully present. You can see it by fan reaction. I used to think, you know, message boards at South Carolina or Florida or wherever were, were, you know, I was like, these people are easily triggered. Before they hired DeBoer, I go to the Alabama message board, this is a complete disaster. Greg Burns should be ashamed, <laughs> unprepared and outmatched. Unprepared. Are we, are, are we really? We're you know we're striking out all over the place. It's an unmitigated disaster. Right. Roll time. I mean, I'm like, hey, you guys hadn't been through this in about 18 years, have you? Well, that's the so, thing. That's you know. the the, 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 the and, and and again, Bama fans who have been around long enough remember Mike Debose, remember Mike Shula, remember Mike Price. Um, I think they decided to stop hiring guys named Mike, even though we're great people, I promise you. Um, and then, you know, of course, Greg Byrne, who's a buttoned up and very well-respected AD, but he didn't hire Nick Saban, right? Just like Jeremy Foley at Florida didn't hire Steve Spurrier. And so there's a new level of pressure that you can't even imagine to get this right, to get this right. Because if you don't, it's probably your job as an AD. And you didn't get blown away with a name. You didn't, you didn't get blown like away with a name. Tennessee did a few years ago with, yep. oh, my God, let me stick my finger in that. Even A&M this year. Even A&M. I mean, they had decided to hire Stoops, right? And then they, they mm-hmm. went, oh, Elk. Well, I guess it's our fans would want Elko. Uh, Bama didn't do that. Byrne sat down and he hired the best coach he could hire. And that's and, uh, that- and a guy in the chat row points out he's five and zero against Sark and Lanning the last two years. That's right. That's a great point. By the way, chat row for those that are just listening, 
when we do this show, uh, the video version, we encourage you to check it out on YouTube, uh, despite our, our not so aesthetically uh, pleasing faces from time to time. Uh, y- you, we have what's called chat row on the right side, so people are allowed to comment questions. Some of you are getting the hang of this. Questions sometimes are better than just random um, comments, and it almost, it almost serves as another mailbag that we have on jcnmorgan.com. Uh you know, like Charles asked, what, what's one of the Charles that's chiming in? What's an acceptable win total for Alabama now? I think all that's changed, JC, because now it's, did you get to the playoff or not? It's almost like basketball. Did you get to the NCAA? Nobody remembers a Final Four team or a national championship team in basketball. Well, how many games did you win in the regular season? That's going to be secondary to did you get to the playoff and how did you do in the playoff? That's how programs like Alabama are going to judge success. Yeah, you want to win every game in the regular season. And yeah, you want to beat your rival in Auburn and you want to win SEC championships. All that obviously still matters. But the answer to that question, Charles, I think is you have to make the playoff every year with with 12. You have to make the playoff every year as the Alabama head coach. That at bare minimum is the standard. If you don't, and believe you me, you look at that schedule, and you know they already lost Bond uh, today to the portal, or maybe not today, but the last couple of days. You know, the, the, it, it's not an automatic that Alabama's going to make the even with twelve teams. It's not automatic they're going to make it every year. But the moment you don't, all hell is going to break loose on Kalen DeBoer and Alabama's administration. And it's going to be, well, Nick Saban would have been in a playoff every every time with 12 teams. Every time. He almost was with four teams. Uh, so that, to me, is the answer to the question to start. They're still going to expect SEC championships. They're still going to expect some undefeated seasons. They're still going to go freak-out mode every time they lose a single game. But you have to make the playoff every year. Harrison says, thoughts on Saban having 100% access to the Bama program. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember when Terry Bowden took over at Auburn. And Pat Dye kept an office, kept an office in the football building. Yeah. Uh, I believe at the time it was at Jordan Air Stadium. I don't know where they have it now, but and that was that that never that never sat well with Terry Bowden because Pat Dye was a god at Auburn, and here's this new guy Buster Brown coming in, and anytime he loses a game, and it took a while for him to lose one, well Pat Dye might have just you know walk down the halls. I'll tell you what they should have done. They should have gone for it on fourth and one. That's what they should have done. Like that. Somebody call Brother Oliver and get him back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> call Billy Oliver. That's uh, Auburn. Uh, yeah. It, it, look, people, I think people make too much of these situations because yeah. what Saban's going to do is roll into like an ambassador's job, which is what Steve Spurrier does at Florida. Right. Which is what, um, you know, uh, uh, he did it at South Carolina for a while. Urban Meyer, I mean, Will Muschamp, when he was hired at Florida, said, Urban's got complete access. He's mm-hmm. he's going to be around. And, you know, it, it really has never made a big difference. Most coaches – well, most coaches are not Nick Saban. I'll say that. But most yes, coaches none. <laughs> are not going to step on any toes. And I think Nick's professional enough to wear. I do, too. I do, and, too. And DeBoer's kind of a – I mean, he's not a guy. I'm sure he's an extremely confident person. You know, you yeah. don't win 104 of 160 football games without being confident. Run the offense, he does. But he's also kind of strikes just kind of a laid back guy. 
Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, coach come by practice. I mean, you know, but it, there are some times when the legend is a little too much. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Clemson, when Danny Ford got forced out, you know, he, he – he was mad, so he didn't come around. But then once he went to Arkansas, got fired, and came back, Tommy well, Bowden and Dabo had him around all the time. You know? Vince Dooley was the AD at Georgia. Yeah. That was so talk about, talk about coaching in the shadows of a legend. Not only is Vince Dooley around telling uh, Jim Donnan what he's doing wrong, but he also has the ability to fire you. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, talk about, about intimidating. How about all those guys that work for Barry Alvarez that was for the Godfather? Right. It was Con- Johnson, yeah, like three, four coaches. I mean, uh, you know, so you want to have access to the legend. I don't know if you want him walking around every day and <laughs> and the fans see that and they're like, boy, we'll never have him again. I, the, we, you're going to say the right things. Oh, of course, you're welcome anytime. Come to practice. Yeah, you want to. But I, I, I do think that there's look, everybody has a little bit of insecurity deep down and. It's hard not to be the least bit insecure around Nick Saban, who did things that, again, in our lifetime, I don't think will ever be done by another head football coach. So now, it's I, an interesting question. I look at basketball, too. It's 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 uh, two situations there. Like at Duke, you see Krzyzewski around, but you don't, you know. Uh, but at North Carolina, Roy is always there, you know. And, and here's the difference, too. I think sometimes it matters if you went to school there. Like Steve Spurrier, nobody's going to tell the head Gator, you know, don't come by practice. Who won a Heisman there? Yeah, his name is on the field. You know, yeah. he's he and he's he'd be there regardless if he used to coach there or not. Uh, Roy Williams is a Tar Heel. You know, right? He walked, walked away from the Kansas. I'll never forget. He quoted the fight songs like, when I die, I'll be Carolina dead. After he finally took the job and won big in North Carolina. Yeah, Hubert Davis is his friend. Uh, Krzyzewski did not go to Duke. He is a graduate of Army. Army. And, you know, probably is a little you know, a little more, even though his pupil coaches there, is a little more hands-off. So sometimes, yeah, you know, Fulmer at Tennessee, that, that was a disaster. That was a disaster. When he got back involved, you know. Well, you remember how that game. happened. I mean, the, the, the fans were like, we, 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 we need a true Tennessee man to, to make this higher. Well, that true Tennessee man gave you Jeremy Pruitt, and that was a uh, beyond a disaster. I don't know. I need a stronger word. <laughs> well, you know, that's how, you know, they say, and, and I, I like Coach Fulmer because he's kind of the godfather of modern recruiting in a lot of ways. He kind of started all this recruiting stuff back in the day, and I'm thankful for having an industry I could make money in that I enjoyed doing. But ask Johnny Majors sometime how Philip Fulmer ended up with the coaching job the first time. Around. Oh, yeah. Mm. I think he called him Brutus Judas. <laughs> Johnny, look it up. Type Johnny Majors, Brutus Judas, Philip Fulmer. So that did not surprise me one bit that old Phil came back in. And old Phil found his stuck, way. Stuck and twisted the knife a little bit. Yeah, 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 just, yeah. That's just how he rolled. But uh, yeah, they rolled. Yeah, well, it's gonna be interesting to see. A, a good point by Easy E, Quantrell. All you guys have got some good stuff, and we'll we'll touch on those from time to time. We do got to get our first break in um the jc5 is coming up next and some of that of course will have to do with this there's also latest portal news what would a what would a show be without some portal power 
And we might even, if we can find time, uh, sneak in some five and dime. A lot of you folks have missed some of that. We'll explain what that is. For those of you new to the program, it is a manic, manic Monday on MLK Day. Part of the Chief Network, this is the JC and Morgan Show. Back after a quick break. Listen up. This is for construction professionals, contractors, facility managers, or do-it-yourself homeowners. Cypro Rentals is ready to equip your upcoming project. We rent construction equipment for any size job. Boom and scissor lifts, telehandlers, skid steers, excavators, air compressors, generators, even small tools and equipment. Cypro has you covered. If you are ready for better equipment rental, call Cypro and rent from the local, friendly, easy to do business with equipment professionals call 972 rent now that's 972-736-8669 to rent the newest equipment in the atlanta market call 972 rent now or visit siteprorentals.com down here in the south we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, Titan cginc.com that's titancginc.com get in touch with brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients that's titan construction group a proud sponsor of the jc and morgan podcast South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781. 1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofingGA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back, JC and Morgan, uh, episode number 226, if you're scoring at home. And yes, presented in part by the fine folks at Elite Roofing, no matter where you're listening, whether you're in uh, Georgia, where they're now based, or South Carolina, where they were based, or North Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, Jeremy Johnson and company will take great care of you. You see the number at the bottom of your screen. Uh, Again, I've used them a number of times for a uh, free estimate. They also do restoration work, too, not just roofing. But if you need a new roof, by golly, call them now, 678-781-1998, 678-781-1998. That's Jeremy Johnson, Elite Roofing and Restoration. Uh, we've been waiting on it, as I always like to say, and it's never been more true. We could use a morale booster right now in this great nation, and then the morale of America very often depends heavily on the upcoming subjects provided by one J.C. Sherbert in that dome of his. It is time for the J.C. Five. It's time for the top topics in the sport. We bring the J.C. Five. Number one. I will say this. You know, while I completely agree with you that Kalen DeBoer, Brian Harson's not even the same stratosphere. Uh, they just happened to coach in the same part of the country and uh, the guy Harson replaced at Washington and Boise happened to go to Washington. So there's only similarities between those two guys. Uh, Harson's from the Pacific Northwest and uh, I think um, which I wouldn't consider South Dakota the Pacific Northwest. It's kind of somewhere in middle America. Big sky country. Big sky. So, uh, which is the epicenter of FCS championship level football. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would heed some advice. Uh, and I, I, oh, the way I kind of see their staff coming together, I, I think he's doing it. I would, I, I'm not going to worry so much about SEC this and SEC that. I would just do it like a normal coaching change, bring a bunch of guys that were with me at Washington that have been with me the whole way, uh, and then keep some select guys for some continuity. Um, wouldn't worry. And, I, and, and I look at it and see the way the staff's coming together. Brian Harson comes in, and Auburn literally, like I think, mandated, you need to hire Will Friend and Mike Bobo. You need to hire Derek Mason as your D coordinator. You need to do guys with these SEC names, and it blew up in his face. Now, I'm not saying he would have – one more, but he, you know, that whole comfort level, he's never comfortable there. And I think as a head coach at a pressure job like this, you need your people around you, your people, uh, and you need to, uh, you need to go with who you're comfortable with and not let anyone mandate. It appears to me like Bama did not do what Auburn usually does with all their coaches and mandate assistant coaching hires. It looks like DeBoer's doing it uh, on his own, so I think that's good. But Mike, you know, your thoughts about when you go into a situation like this, a different level of pressure for a job, different part of the country. Uh, isn't there something to be said for having your people around you? Yeah. Um, by the way, I, uh, for those that are probably picking this up, 
That's a little machine gun in the background. I felt like we needed a little background music. This is like Chest and Brock and Boogie Nights just jamming <laughs> this in the background. I'm saying I'm, I'm feeling it already. I'm loving it. Yeah, you know, look, first off, let me point out the obvious. Nick Saban wasn't a Southerner. Okay, he took the LSU job, won a, won a national championship. He took the Alabama job. I don't know if he ever stepped foot in any part of Alabama other than Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, as an opposing coach and won six more national championships. Uh, The whole notion that you have to be a Southerner to know how to recruit the South is kind of a a, a silly notion. So I would would not meddle. And look, they're going to bring in some people that certainly have ties to recruiting the area. But it's so much different now, JC, as you well know. It used to be you had these long-standing relationships with high school coaches, and that helped you land top recruits. And now you got guys playing seven on seven, and now you got the NIL world. And that great relationship you have with the high school coaches, uh, all it takes is an extra hundred thousand dollars for that to be dissolved, and the kid winds up going somewhere else. So I, I just don't know. If, if that is as important as it used to be, uh, Alabama is a national, national brand and power that is going to command the attention of every top recruit. Now, I do know from people I've talked to in Tuscaloosa that, believe it or not, even at a program like Alabama, you've got some people saying, hey, uh, we, we need more money. We need more money. I told you the story uh, somebody that I know that was a former Ohio State football player has told people the fact that they got a letter from the school president begging for more money. I mean, if, if if these type of programs are asking for more money, you can imagine what all the other programs are trying to do to survive in this in this new climate. But, uh, yeah, I, I think build your staff, go with the core, especially the coordinators. Position coaches, we all know. I mean, those are... I'm not saying they're not important, but they definitely have a recruiting-based value to them. In other words, I'll take the guy who's a little bit lesser-known running backs coach if he's a just standout stud recruiting, as opposed to the guy who's maybe got 10 more years' experience. But as the guys that are calling up plays now, no, no. I, I I want two dudes that know what they're doing and who I feel comfortable with in the context of what... I think works on offense and on defense. Number two. Absolutely, Mike. I'm with you there. And I, I think that was one of Harson's downfalls. Uh, speaking of Auburn, not to be outdone. I love it. I love it in that state when there's high drama with the football programs. When is there not? Not to be outdone. Cadillac Williams and Zach Hetheridge just walk out the door on Hugh Freeze. Your thoughts on that? Can we? Are we seeing just kind of maybe a second year adjustment? Uh, because again, Auburn has a tendency to force guys on people. You know, assistant coaches. They did it. I think they picked Chiswick's entire staff. I mean, they did the same thing with Malzahn. Uh, like you have to go back maybe to Tommy Tuberville to see where they they weren't like, hey, hire this guy, hire this guy. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about that? Because Cadillac and Zach Etheridge are. Not only former Auburn, they're beloved. They're sacred Auburn. cows. Yeah. Now, that, now you said they walked out the door. It's basically the reports sounded like they were told to walk out the door, right? 
a mutual parting of ways. Okay, yeah. We know that never is actually the case, right? Yeah, and <laughs> Somebody then his, either. D coordinator went to Florida with Napier and, and right. posted a tweet, like 10, 10 things that will wreck a culture. And have, he had like lies in there and dishonesty and false punishment. I mean, it was, he deleted it. Ron Roberts, who, who's going to Florida, did delete the tweet. But I don't know, man. It's just kind of funny that yeah, a bomb gets dropped on Tuscaloosa with Saban retiring, and, and not to be outdone, there's <laughs> there's drama on the planes, man. Drama on the planes. Uh, and any Auburn fan can tell you uh, there rarely isn't drama on the planes. Um, this is surprising, and I would say even disappointed because. I, I fell in love with the story of Cadillac Williams when he was an interim coach. Uh, I, I thought that was one of the better you know, stories that year. I never thought he was going to get the, the head coaching job. You, you've got you, you've to be uh, usually at least a coordinator. you got you know, again, working your way up the ladder, so to speak. Uh, but, man, he certainly is a, a great guy to have in your you know, your stall, if you will, to, to help shine a bright light on the program. So that one surprised me. I didn't see that coming. But at the end of the day, Hugh Freeze didn't go there to, to make friends or or hold on to the uh, legends of the past. He's there to turn Auburn football around the way he turned Ole Miss football around. Um, and last year, I don't know if you want to call it a disappointment or not. They didn't have the horses, in my opinion, starting a quarterback and and branching out forward. It was not one of the more t- talented Auburn teams that we've seen. But I still trust Hugh Freeze to turn that baby around. And if, if he sees that it's not working with a couple of guys or maybe they felt like you know they were done wrong for whatever reason, they – Oh, we can find another running backs coach. That, that's a <laughs> you're. Uh, we'll, we'll be all right. So I'll, I'll take the PR hit in order for me to have a better chance of being successful next year. And that's obviously the way you saw it. All right. The Arizona job is open. Uh, I did not think Jed Fish was that great of a hire, uh, simply because of his results as a coordinator. He's been in some tough spots, like Miami, where they haven't had a good offense and how long. Um, thought he did well in the pros. Okay, I was surprised he got it, you know. But he uh, proved me wrong. He's really hell of a head coach. Now he's going back to Seattle, uh, where he used to coach for Pete Carroll and coach in the Huskies. So Arizona's open. How... You know, through my lifetime, Mike, I've always heard Arizona State sleeping giant, Arizona State sleeping giant. Right. You don't hear much about Arizona and, and their success. You know, they're kind of known as a basketball school. Uh, their success has been sporadic. You know, Rich Rog won a division title there, and then he got fired two years later. Uh, Kevin Sullivan was an unmitigated disaster, but a pretty good hire at the time after he left A&M. Uh, Fish comes in and, 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 and wins big. Uh, I've been there. They have facilities. Uh, Tucson's it's a fun campus. They're going into the Big 12. So my question to you, how good of a job is it now? And, and has, that, has, has the value of that job maybe changed, maybe ticked up a little bit now that they're going to be in the Big 12 as opposed to the Pac-12 where they were, you know, I, I think they were one of a couple of schools to not go to the Rose Bowl, you know, during the past 20 years or whatever. Your thoughts? Well, you know, uh, Mad Dog, our producer, Phil Molinax, was asking a question about 
you know, fish leaving for Washington and, and asking about the money at Arizona. The money at Arizona has been a, an issue, and the Big 12 is on solid ground, but they're not financially on Big 10 SEC ground. So there's no question there. You're. you're you are set up more for success at Washington than you are at Arizona. Uh, financially, recent success, you name it. Now, when we were uh, knee-high to a... Well, we were more than knee-high to a grasshopper. We, we were knee-high to a Great Dane, I guess, at this point. Uh, in the late 90s, you know, Arizona football had it going pretty good under Dick Tomey. Had a 12-win season and a Holiday Bowl win. Had a 10-win season and a Fiesta Bowl win. Everybody remembers, well, not everybody. Again, you got to be of a certain age, at least, I don't know, 35 to remember the Desert Storm cover of Sports Illustrated back when people actually read Sports Illustrated. Yeah, Yeah. Desert Swarm. Um, And and then all of a sudden, uh, and they did make a Fiesta Bowl under Rich Rodriguez, but that year they were 10 and 4, and they finished, uh, I think, 19th in the country. But for the most part, you look at these coaches after Tomey, I mean, John Makovic, big name, failed. Mike Stoops, failed. Rich Rodriguez, for the most part, failed. Kevin Sumlin failed. Fish comes in there, inherits a mess. Uh, Sumlin's COVID team went 0-5. And Fish, in year one, with a roster that was probably full of Uber drivers and... Uh, chefs at Applebee's, they go 1-11. and 11. And two years later, he turns it around and goes 10-3. and three. They win the Alamo Bowl. And again, you know, Fish's story to me is one of the better ones in college. You want to talk about coaches that did a great job? That's one that did it. And I mentioned this on the show months ago when the, the Dion hype train started to fizzle out a little bit during a, an eight-game losing streak. You had some really good coaching performances throughout the country not named Colorado, and this was the biggest of the bunch. Uh, I think it's a good hire. I think Arizona has to decide how serious they are about college football. Uh, Arizona State does have everything in place uh, that they should be better than what they are. Arizona has not been in that same boat in a lot of ways, so maybe they, they now are deciding, yeah, we are we are really determined to be a factor. We're in the Big 12. That still seems a little janky, but we think it's going to be good for us. We're going to improve facilities, and we're going to be relevant again because they simply have not been relevant. I mean, I'm looking at these numbers, J.C., uh, before this great season by Fish, 5-7, and 1-11, and 0-5, 4-8, 5-7, 7-6, 3-9. I mean, you get the idea. Like, it, it just was not a good run for Arizona football since since Tommy left back in see Tommy's last year was 2000 since then it is yeah. it's been tough sledding Arizona and Oregon State have experienced uh, the, the thing I loved about the old Pac-12 was that everybody was good at some point. Washington State would cycle up. Oregon, Cal would cycle up every now and then. Stanford had a run. UCLA, SC, ASU from time to time. Arizona really didn't outside of that Desert Swarm year and then that one year under Rich Rod where they sort of got the home field in uh, favor to go to the Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, so that that's you know if you if you're ranking the old Pac-12 jobs it would probably be 11th out of 12. 
um, but with Colorado barely above it, just because Colorado's won a national championship at some point. They were good at some point. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think I think that state's growing. Um, the Phoenix area in particular is growing. Um, it's the University of Arizona that has success in baseball, men's basketball, women's basketball, went to the Final Four. The other sports have done just fine there. Um, I don't know. Right person could come in there. I, I like their chances in a Big 12 a little better than maybe the Pac-12 where, you know, there's something to be said for the teams you play every year show up expecting to beat you no matter how good good or bad they are. Right? We see that in the SEC sometimes. Um Versus, you know, hey, you know, we're going to go play West Virginia. <laughs> they don't know who we are. We don't know who they are. Maybe we'll go punch them in the mouth. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think um, I think it's a, it was an inter- it's an interesting opening. That's probably a little bit better job uh, than people give it credit for. Number four. All right, Mike. So as far as the sport of football, can you do some NFL? We all like NFL. Um, sure. Has there ever been a bombshell day like last Wednesday where you have three legends out of their jobs uh, that they've been synonymous with for over a decade? And I'm talking Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban. Um, wow. No. That That's a I, – I, I just don't know in your – in my experience, I've never seen anything like that. But uh, in your experience, I, I just wonder. I, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I mean, it's – the, these bombshell events, you know, they're they're almost like uh, tsunamis. Like they happen once every however many years, but not on top of one another. Bam, 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 at three different places. That's unusual, you know. That's that's like biblical. Uh, what the the, the twenty twenty four the January of twenty twenty four plague of legendary coaches either being shoved out or leaving by their own volition um it, it it it's a, it's a memorable week i think we're all just trying to catch our breath and this is all going on i mean you mentioned the nfl i'm like many i'm watching the playoffs uh this weekend and and i i love the nfl uh postseason, although I don't know if I necessarily love football played in like minus five. I was at Kansas City a year ago to do a Chiefs game and walked down on the field because my analyst Brian Baldinger did and I didn't want to be like the you know, the soft guy, the uh, the cream puff who couldn't walk on the field with him. And and I felt minus six wind chill. And I was down on the field for a half hour watching Pat Mahomes warm up and my feet started to literally and I'm wearing like three pairs of socks and shoes it doesn't matter my feet are turning into ice cubes my hands with gloves on are freezing and I'm wearing a winter coat and it's still almost unbearable and that's without a strong wind I I don't know if I necessarily need that in in a big football game I'd like conditions where I can see the athletes shine but uh, that'll probably be an unpopular opinion I'm sure um no, I, I can't think of anything like this, uh, that bombshell Wednesday, JC. That was unbelievable, and, and the ramifications of it, we're going to be talking about. Oh, we'll see what Belichick does. We'll see what Pete Carroll does. Um, but you're you're looking at some uh, legendary guys, and in the case of Pete Carroll, one of the few to have success at both the collegiate and the professional level, because as we touched on a little bit last week, 
and I don't I don't count Barry Switzer being very successful in Dallas. Um, I don't think he was a very good pro coach, but Jimmy Johnson sure as hell was, and Pete Carroll sure as hell was. Outside of that, like there, you, there's limited amount of guys that were really good at both levels. Right, definitely. Number five. Greg Byrne, athletic director at uh, Dagum, Alabama. So I did a kind of a little, not a deep dive, but a mini dive on him. His hiring pattern is interesting. He is just, you know, Bama fans can take comfort because, you know, you have Mal Moore or whoever else was your AD hiring the mics and, 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 and you know, all those, the, the, the three straight mics and the Dennis fiasco. And, like, Franchi, you know, Francione was a good hire from TCU, I thought. And then he left and, and couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag at A&M for some reason. Uh, but look at this. You know, Greg Byrne uh, gets the Mississippi State Athletic Director job. Ron Polk, who you know, Mike, uh, the the baseball, the head baseball coach there. Saw him the other day. Right? Yeah. Polk legend. Was, is a legend at Mississippi State. He wanted his assistant to get the job. Burns said, no, 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 we're going to go hire our alum, and who I think was Burns' ultimate replacement as AD, who's now the AD at Auburn, John Cohen. Right right call, I think, because John Cohen at the time was tearing it up at Kentucky, which oh. is a tough baseball job, you know. Right, uh, right. And, and Greg was familiar with him from his time at Kentucky. So the, the football job opens with Sylvester Croom. Uh, you know, and, and he, he didn't go get, like, Alabama assistant or the guy from down the road. He got Dan Mullen, who's not exactly the most warm and fuzzy interview out there. Uh, uh, you know, and, and because that's how Dan had trouble getting out of Mississippi State. Um, that worked out swimmingly for both of those programs. Um, goes to Arizona uh, and um, fires Stoops after eight years of mediocrity. Um, and then goes against Rich Rod. You know, good hire there. I think uh, he even talked to Urban Meyer a little bit at the time because Urban was out of, out of coaching. And I, I remember we said, no, I'm not that interested in Arizona, but I did an interview or did talk to him about it. And they, uh, you know, won the division or whatever, had some success. Um, you know, then he gets the Alabama gig and hired Brad Bohannon in baseball. That didn't work out too well. But he came in and, 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 and fired Avery Johnson, who was a guy that was recruiting at the high level but not winning. No. Uh, and then goes to Buffalo out of nowhere and hires Nate Oates, and that's paid off. You know, so, you know, here's a guy that's had success making hires, in my opinion. Michael, I'm going to ask you about this. Like Scott Woodward at LSU, we know he's always going to go for the big name, and mm-hmm. it's always going to work out to a certain extent. Jimbo Fisher being the one at a and that did uh, and we don't know about Brian Kelly yet. The baseball coach at LSU uh, what, won the national championship this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, women's basketball won the national championship. You know, he, he's. Uh, I think. I think McMahon's going to be fine. You know, you had them this weekend. Uh, he hired Buzz Williams. On and on and on. You know, he's a big name guy. It looks like Burns may be done a little different, but evaluating guys that can win. I think he's done, if you look at the track record, would you agree that, you know, he's got that track record there that kind of insulates himself from the good old boy network, and he just kind of goes and hires who he thinks is going to be the best coach and win, devil be damned. Well, there's a lot There's a lot in there. Um, he, he's, in a lot of fans' eyes, one for one. 
and that he hired Nate Oates when nobody knew who Nate Oates was. Now, I knew who he was because I actually called two MAC championship games that he won at Buffalo. And I asked the question to Nate Oates, how did Alabama have you on the radar? Because when that hire was made, Alabama fans were like, Nate who? When he was at Arizona, uh, Arizona when I'm talking about uh, Byrne, Greg Byrne was at Arizona. Arizona played Nate Oates and Buffalo, and I believe lost. I believe got upset. Either way, he was impressed, and that's when the dialogue started, and that's when he made up his mind Nate Oates is going to be a serious candidate for Alabama. And this just in, Nate Oates has been an unbelievable hire. He's already done what Avery Johnson, uh, who was a great name and a sexy name, but it, it didn't work. Anthony Grant didn't. Um, Anthony there. Grant, everybody wanted, and everybody and, thought that was a slam dunk hire when it was made. Didn't work. Grant's killed it at Dayton too. Yeah, he's, and that's it's not like he was. It just didn't work out. It there. just didn't work out. Different time, um, different fit. You never know how these things are going to shake down. But but, man, I, but so I can't name you. You know all the Olympic sport coaches in Tuscaloosa that Greg Byrne has hired during his time there. But I know most coaches are judged based on two hires football and men's basketball now in a lot of SEC schools you can expand that to baseball and in some cases women's basketball but make no mistake about it if if you're batting a thousand on football and men's basketball hires you can screw everything else up you're not going anywhere they're going to love you and if you make one bad football hire well then a lot of people are going to blame it on the AD um and as I pointed out a million times, being the athletic director at a place like Alabama or LSU and hiring a football coach is a heck of a lot different than Mississippi State or South Carolina or I would even say Florida now. Like, it's just different. You don't get pick of the litter. And in this case, Alabama didn't have pick of the litter either because Jimmy Sexton is out there working all the phones. He's representing everybody in the whole scenario. He has become the most powerful player in college football. And most people couldn't, if he walked into a donut shop and you were in line getting your dozen, you know, sprinkles and jelly donuts, you wouldn't know who the hell he was. I've met him one time. Uh, and the guy that I used to work with on some SEC football, Barrett Jones, is his neighbor in a suburb of Memphis. But this guy is, is Scott Boris on steroids. He's got every major coach. And you should have known when Kalen DeBoer hired him over the last 12 months, Kalen was ready to move. That was a dead giveaway. But he's out there going, okay, you're going to be a candidate. Let's, let's let this thing drag on. I'm going to get you a raise, you a raise, you a raise, you a raise. And that's exactly what happened. The big winner in all of this was Jimmy Sexton. Make no mistake about it. It happens uh, with every opening in the SEC. Now, I, yeah. I respect him, and I like him. I've never met him. Uh, I know some people that know him. They say he's a great guy. Uh, he never does like interviews. A, it's like a character out of a John Grisham novel. <laughs> really, I mean, right down to being from Memphis and and, and riding around a private jet, being an attorney. He's not an attorney, right? Something people don't know. He did not go to law school, Jimmy Sexton. Um, but yeah, man, he's just like cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. Oh yeah, uh, it's like he's working at a cash register. All right, Sarkeesian for four ninety-five. That'll be that. That'll be that. That'll be it. But uh, I do question whether that's healthy for the school with, with, with one guy. Yeah. Being the godfather, Questlife's gatekeeper of all these coaching hires, but I mean, nothing's going to change there as long as he's driving. The, the we can't even get we, we we can't even get organized to set rules and NIL in the transfer portal. Yeah. You think I we're going to get a rule that 
Does antitrust for agents running no, running no, game no. around all these ads? It's, you, it, it's just going to take somebody <laughs> that's, a, that's as good as he is, and nobody exactly is. nobody it's not is even close. It's not no. even close. And so, uh, yeah, hats off to Jimmy Sexton again. But I think at some point he'll become because right now fans just sort of laugh it off. I think down the road, some some somebody somewhere they're gonna get they're gonna get a little fed up with it, and uh, he won't be as popular as possible. But I, I would love. I know he doesn't do interviews, doesn't do it. I would love to see a thirty for thirty on this guy. Uh, I, I think there will interview. be. He's fascinating. It's it is a fascinating story. If you just kind of if you do a deep dive, and maybe we'll do that sometime on the show, on his whole uh, uh, background and how this whole thing came about. Because it's 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 different than Scott. Scott Boris was a I don't want to say a great player, but he was a minor leaguer, I think, and you know he, he kind of used that to his advantage. The way Sexton was was born into this agency power agent world is, is a little bit different. Uh, but just to put a bow on the Greg Byrne thing, look, this is either going to work or it's not going to work. And and there's no long timetable in Tuscaloosa. They have a track record of firing coaches within three years if it's not working out. And if it, I'm just telling you to go back to Charles' question on Jarrow, what's acceptable? You, you have to make the playoff every year, bare, bare minimum. I, I don't know if you can survive not making a 12-team playoff at Alabama. And Greg Byrne will be judged on this higher first and foremost. And is it fair? No, because first off, you couldn't get whoever you wanted. There were some coaches that clearly used this opportunity as leverage and wanted no part of following a legend uh, in, in, a, in a stacked SEC. Um but if it doesn't work out, you do what, what every school does. You hire another coach. Uh, and that doesn't mean Greg Burns not a good AD, but that's that's the way some fans will take it. Oh, he missed on that one. Therefore, that wasn't – Greg Burns doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Every great AD has made bad hires. Every one of them. Uh, Jeremy Foley used to say, you, you just want to bat 500 or better. Because remember now, Jeremy, who at the time was known as the godfather of ADs, in the SEC. I mean, he hired Billy Donovan. He had Florida winning national titles after he hired Urban Meyer. He did not hire Spurrier. He inherited him. But he also missed on Ron Zook and Jim McElwain and uh, some might say even Mike White. Uh, He missed on on coaches. They went through a handful of baseball coaches. You you make educated decisions and you hope they work, but but you're you're not going to bat a thousand as an AD on hiring coaches. You're just not. I can't think, Mike. I'm trying to think of a legendary coach that's hung it up where a hire like this has been made, like a guy with unprecedented success. So I'm, I'm thinking back through. Uh, so Spur leaves Zook. Man, uh, had never been a head coach. Failed. Urban Meyer leaves Muschamp. Never been a head coach. Failed. Uh, uh, Bobby Bowden leaves. Jimbo had never been a head coach. It worked out. But it wasn't like Jimbo was 104 and 12 in his career. No, it, it, was, it got off to a good start and then it failed late. Yeah. And failed. You know, Bear Bryant was Ray Perkins. You know, Fuller failed. was Lane Kiffin, which could have been good at the time. One but year, wasn't. seven and six. Pete Carroll was also Lane Kiffin. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Joe Paterno was Bill O'Brien. They couldn't beg anybody to take that job. Right. Um, at the time, I'm just thinking back through, and I'm like, "Wow, you know, this you know this hire reminds me of what's that? 
It's it's your favorite fan base, the Hurricanes. Okay. When uh, Jimmy Johnson oh. left, and yeah. Dennis Erickson got the job. Uh-huh. And Dennis had the great run at Washington State. Right. He had no ties to South Florida. Nope. But he kept it on. He kept on keeping on. And he won, won two titles. Jimmy yeah, won and, one and, and, yeah. until he got to the got the got the Forty ers job or the Seahawks Forty Seahawks and left. Yeah. Uh, that's what kind of how this reminds me of, where it's a great program. It's on the roll. Uh, you know, uh, Saban's obviously been there longer than Jimmy Johnson. Uh, he hangs it up, and then you just go hire the best guy, and he may be from way the hell off where, where your footprint is, but he's a big-time winner. That, I can't – that would be the closest thing I could think of of this. I mean, Mac Brown, Charlie Strong replaced him. You know, Fail. Uh, a lot of – it's usually a guy with ties, a guy that's a name in the area uh, or something like that. Nobody even knew who Kalen DeBoer was to Washington beat Oregon in the championship game. Yeah, everybody talks about Dan Lanning. Oh, because he used to be in the SEC. Well, Kalen DeBoer's beat his butt twice, three mm-hmm. times. It's three and zero. Oh. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think I think the Dennis Erickson. That's the only thing I can think of. Lou Holtz was Bob Davy at Notre Dame. That's the only thing I can really think of to kind of you know where a powerhouse team kind of still at the top. The guy hangs it up or goes someplace else, and then you hire. Just a dude that that you wouldn't even expect, but he is the best coach you could hire. So I think that's interesting. Timing is everything. You know, um, again, I only vote on two things, the Heisman and the coach of the year. I voted Kalen DeBoer one. By the way, I had Fish two. Um, And now they're both somewhere else. (laughs) Kind of funny how that works. Um, Timing is everything. Two years ago, you could never make this hire. You never would have hired Kalen DeBoer. He would never even be on a a list of the top 20 candidates. (laughs) But it, it, it is it's who's hot at the right time. And then when you're hot enough, people are forced to look at the rest of your track record. And again, what he did in Sioux Falls does matter. Absolutely. Anybody who says it doesn't matter, I don't think you understand coaching. Because what he's doing is showing dominance, taking a program with, with the same Jimmys and Joes that everybody else had, except he's winning titles and the other guys aren't. That said a lot to me. Um I think it's the right hire. You make up a, a great point. I never thought about that. The success to fail ratio on replacing a legend, it ain't real good. It's just not. It, it's it's not, it's not very good. So I, I said that give, yeah, I said that about Dennis because I'm give, trying to give Alabama fans some encouragement here that mm-hmm. you know because I, I think it's, the SEC fan mindset. They don't give a damn about Sioux Falls. I mean, it's you don't know how many times a day I hear well, they don't have any SEC experience, right? And and you do have some some places that oh, Auburn that um, you know they'll bring a coach in for someplace else and demand that they 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 got a staff pick for him. And, right, and a lot of times right. those guys have been good at other places, but they're not fits where they are. So I I, I it just makes sense to me. I, my, I, I didn't. When we planned the JC5 today, I didn't really think about that. But as we've moved along, I've been like, man, this is actually a pretty good hire. And it's it's different. It's different. It's not just the same old, let's get a former assistant, keep it going, or whatever. It's it's, it's new and it's fresh. And if I don't bother to look up Greg Burns' track record, because I get him confused with his dad, who was president of A&M, uh, I probably could have uh, – 
Yeah, probably could have uh, learned a little something before we got. Into I, I I think it's the right hire. I think it's a logical hire. I think it, you know. But can I sit here and tell you it's going to work? Have no idea. And I stop pretending that I do because I, I see too many of these um, that you think you know and and you just don't know. And and there's and the landscape has changed. It's a hundred percent changed. The, you know, I the, maybe the most impressive stat when I was reading off Saban's. Uh, accolades jc i think he had 10 number one ranked recruiting classes this goes back to when you were covering it at espn 10 number one ranked recruiting classes during his 17 years that might be the most impressive number of all i mean when is that going to be done again yeah i mean kirby kirby's trying to (laughs) he's pretty close to being on his way but shoot that's tough the one year they weren't the composite number one, Mike. Um, and that's what I go by because it's a consensus. Right. Uh, that was the year where they switched the signing date. And I think that's the one time in recruiting, and I don't know if somebody got fired or not, uh, where they got kind of caught with their pants down because nobody expected 90% of the top players all commenced to sign. And the schools did a good job. So whereas Alabama used to go in and flip five guys in January, and get the number one class. They didn't have access to those guys. Right. Next year, though, everybody was committed and signed early, and they had the number one class again. So, yeah. Yeah. By the way, before we go to break, one more quick question from uh, Chat Real Quantrail. Do you think part of the reason Norvell stayed at FSU is because he had a good idea that FSU would be out of the ACC by 2025? I'm not sure Norvell was ahead of DeBoer on the list. Um, and if, if there was a reason why I thought Norvell would jump ship, it's because – the uncertainty of FSU's situation. Like I, I, I think he's got a great thing going in Tallahassee, and I think it's a great fit. But the unstable nature of the future of where that program's going to be and what the ACC is going to look like, and then do you go to the Big Ten? Do you go to the SEC? And where I, I could see where a Norvell would at least have a wandering eye for a job like Alabama. But I don't. I, I, we'll never know for sure who got the first phone call, the second phone call. It all's channeled through agents and everything else. You're never going to know that for sure. But I'm not sure if DeBoer wasn't ahead of Norvell. Now, whether or not Dan Lanning, Lane Kiffin, these are different questions. But I, I would be fairly confident there was at least one rejection in the whole search. I would not be surprised. Like a phone call that you make that you know he's probably going to say no, but you got to at least make the phone call. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. But no one's ever going to come out and say that publicly for obvious reasons. All right, we've got to take a timeout. We'll come back. Final segment on the way, including uh, uh, the latest portal news. And if we have time, a little five and dime. It's JC and Morgan. Listen up. This is for construction professionals, contractors, facility managers, or do-it-yourself homeowners. Cypro Rentals is ready to equip your upcoming project. We rent construction equipment for any size job. Boom and scissor lifts, telehandlers, skid steers, excavators, air compressors, generators, even small tools and equipment. Cypro has you covered. If you are ready for better equipment rental, call Cypro and rent from the local, friendly, Easy to do business with equipment professionals. Call 972 Rent Now. That's 972 736 8669 to rent the newest equipment in the Atlanta market. Call 972 Rent Now or visit SiteProRentals.com.
Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce of any goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-9. 1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to EliteRoofingGA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world-renowned Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, we all know the injury but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, jcandmorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, back for the final segment here on JC and Morgan. Don't forget the website, jcandmorgan.com. Uh, latest portal news uh, over the last 24 hours Cam Ward, who flirted with the NFL, the NFL drafts I'm reading, he's got no chance of being a first round pick and probably not a second round pick. He is going to, in fact, go from Washington State to the U, try to enhance his draft stock. It is a loaded year for quarterbacks. Loaded. You're going to see guys now with J.J. McCarthy coming in. 
the mix as well that you thought were really good and first-round talent that are going to be taken in like the second and third round. Same thing with wide receivers loaded at both positions positions this year in the NFL draft. And our guy Pete Thamel reporting... Jim Harbaugh is meeting with the Chargers today. Uh, it just seems like with a quarterback already in place and Herbert and uh, an organization that has been underachieving, that would be an ideal landing spot if Harbaugh is ready to go. I think he makes the jump. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but the Chargers have been kind of knocking on the door, man. And and that, that coach they had hired, he was supposed to be like one of the, I guess the whiz kid or whatever. Or maybe he was a thief. I don't know. Anyway, some young guy. I mean, he's one of those cookie cutter, the quintessential NFL head coach these days. They look like they're seventeen. Analytics guy. Um, yeah. Fourth down for my own thirty-two. Let's go for it. Just did not work, and you know, so they they need to do something. Um, I'm still mad at that franchise for leaving San Diego behind. I would be they, too. They literally uh, Ron Burgundy that whole city. Yeah, yeah, they did. Oh, and I can tell you this, doing a game there in beautiful SoFi Stadium, that's always going to be Rams territory. Yeah. Well, the Rams you you are there. second fiddle. The Chargers were like there for a cup of coffee in the 60s and then moved down I-5. Right. I mean, it, it, there were more Chargers fans. Crazy thing. I used to go to Las Vegas a lot. The Chargers were the most popular team in Vegas because it's a shorter drive over to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Falcons fans in South Carolina or Alabama or whatever. Uh, so it's just all messed up. But, you know, I, I still think that that franchise has had enough talent to win. Um, and if Harbaugh can do it, that would – you take the San Diego Chargers to Super Bowl glory, brother, that's an achievement. And then – then he could just go to the beach or the mountains. I don't know. Would you think Harbaugh probably more of a mountains guy? He doesn't see it right. Okay. He's a beach okay. guy, more like, of a like mountain a guy. Lake, lake house guy, you know. Yeah, I could see him, like, getting a condo in Greenland. He's a weird dude. Like chopping wood all the time. But that'd be a heck of a way because, I mean, yeah, he's 60. You probably look at it and get out by 65 while you're still you got your health and young and enjoy your money. And he's got, what, seven kids, you know? Yeah, buy a well, pet. Duck Bill Platypus, just because he's Jim Harbaugh, to be different. When everybody else gets yeah. a dog, you know, he, he goes off the radar. What are you doing, Jim? Welcome my platypus. Welcome my platypus. What's it to you? Uh, uh, Who's got it better goes, than uh, me? Whenever you ask him a question, he's like, he, he scowls like he doesn't, like he's trying to decipher what you're saying. Uh, um, uh, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're happy we won the national uh, championship. <laughs> if, if, if ever there was, like... A delicate genius, like he, he's just different. I was talking to one of our uh, avid listeners in Michigan. We got a few Michigan fans that listen yeah. uh, across the country, and one of them uh, here in Atlanta. And he's like, "You guys nailed it! Like, he's not a bad dude. He's just weird. He's just different. Uh, I love somewhat." The guy. Oh, I do too. I mean, we've been He's a winner. Look, know. we've been proponents of Jim Harbaugh when they were losing to Ohio State five years in a row, and everybody wanted him fired. That wasn't that wasn't the take on this show, uh, but he is different. Um, but I think he's gone. Sharon Moore gets the job. They don't have to go look very far. You've got your your coach in place. You keep Minter as the DC, and you try to keep it rock and rolling. Although they're going to lose a ton of talent. Losing McCarthy was the final uh, death blow there. All right, real quick, five and dime, American Pie. Oh, it's a dimer between yeah. a dimer and twenty. Yeah, it's it's up there. I always watch that. I watch the sequels too. 
Yeah. Now, I get them confused, like, as far as which one's which, because there's so many of them. But I think I went to the movies and saw all the sequels. Those are funny movies, and Stifler... Mom is a great character. I mean, I love who, it. And, and she's still rocking and rolling on various shows and movies. Chris Klein could not. Act. It was painful to watch him try and act. He played the the muscle bound lacrosse guy. Um, the the main guy, Jason Biggs, didn't really take off. The, maybe the one who's most successful is the redhead, the flute girl, the band camp uh, girl. Because uh, she yeah. got, she was on that. Was it How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, she was on that show. She's been in some movies. Yeah, she's done really well. Um, and, then, and Tara Reid like fell off. Tara Reid's she's lived a rough. You, you didn't she's lived a rough few years of life. Sharknado was Academy level. Oh, she was in that with Ian Ziering, Steve Sanders of Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Sharknado, yeah, was she? the star? <laughs> you watched Sharknado? If I'm wrong. Well, no, I just I saw the I watched the trailer. Right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I watched I watched a movie the other night called Plane. I don't have a five or nine or question for you, but nope. uh, so, so I like Gerard Butler. You know, I think mean, he's good action. So if you want a mindless action movie, and Gerard Butler's in it, you know, he's kind of an everyman that's going to kick some ass, and he's Scottish. Okay. So I'll check it out. I saw the previews for this movie because it, it was out of the theater about a year ago, and I told Matt we should go see it. When we. We we talked about we've talked about going to see like ten movies in the last year. There's nothing's like, man. There's nothing out there that really wants me to get out there and go to public. Uh, go see dumb money. Usually it's on streaming within, you know, and uh, you know, kind of like you and your cable package. I have all the streaming services. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, uh, so so there's a movie called Plane where he's a pilot. And he has to, you know, crash land, and they're on this island, and he has to fight his way through because they're in the Philippines, and and, and it's, a, it's a separatist organization. They get kidnapped. So, so I'm all fired up that it's on Amazon for free the other day. I'm going to watch this movie. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> totally unrealistic. They never explained any sort of details. Every character was just like, like there was the, you know, the pensive guy that that ran the airline that was had no heart that didn't want to save them because of the liability. Just let them die, and and it, it just. It, it was the the, the the airline sent in a like an, a group kind of like the A team. This sounds terrible. I, was, I, 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 I wasn't I, going I saw, to watch it anyway. Now I'm really I, not going I, to watch I, it. I thought you know the, the crash landing. Any kind of ever since the movie Flight, any kind of crash landing scene, you know, it's it's entertaining. I'm a sucker for tense. a crash landing scene. It I watch tense. airline disasters on a regular basis because yeah, I fly so much too, and I shouldn't I shouldn't do it. I should not watch that crash. And your brother's a pilot. Yeah, my brother's a pilot. So, but man, oh man. Yeah, so so that was fine. But then once they got to the island, I was like, I was like, okay, it'll get better. There'll be some sort of resolution here. It'll yeah. get better. And then, dude. So the, the the thing was, the plane got hit by lightning, and they lost all power. Which, if you ask any pilot, planes get hit by lightning like sixteen, seventeen times in a year. They're they're designed to absorb the lightning. But right. in this case, they had to fly on a battery. They amazingly found this island. They're on the island about to hit the trees. Oh, there's a road. So he lands it perfectly. And then, oh, wait a minute. 
we got the plane fixed. And so how they get off the island, I don't think I'm spoiling it for anybody. I don't really care if I do. I'm saving all you for watching this. They crank it back up in a hail of gunfire, like Rambo-style gunfire, and fly off the island. And, and go cruising about 300 feet to another island that's 50 miles away, like three seconds of movie passes. Oh, I see the, the other island up ahead. And amazingly, they land with no engines at the end. And then he goes home and sees his daughter. Dude, I, I wanted a mindless action movie that was plausible. This was just not. A this is not plausible. By the way, Pimp on a Blimp. Yes, I saw Napoleon in the theater. I thought it was actually pretty good because Joaquin Phoenix is outstanding. That's and, next and on my list. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I would. Um, I think I rec- I mentioned Dumb Money, which is about the GameStop. Uh, fiasco or whatever you want to call it. Was that good? I thought it was very good. It it reminded me of The Big Short, which is another uh, underrated movie movie. that I saw. It's very simple. It's it's done in the same way. Um, So I could see those once they hit cable being future fivers, if not dimers. Your plane movie, clearly neither. Uh, American Pie, a dimer. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Maybe it brings me back into a time where I was close to that age and you just felt like that crew was like, they were like your buddies, you know? Yeah, it, we, it came out when I was about 20. So, and you yeah. Back, I remember when I, that's back when you were close enough to once being that age. Yeah. You first yeah. started to miss high school. Right. Yeah, guys, we were- yeah, but yeah. I mean, I'm 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 a sucker for a good like teen comedy. Uh, so I'll put that as a dimer as well. Officer and a gentleman. That's a fiver for me. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and I yeah. quote it all the time because, like, uh, when players- you love the I have nowhere else, else to go. To go. Yeah, like when somebody, yeah, somebody like you know signs a contract extension I'm like it's definitely Richard Gere from Officer to Joe yeah. he had nowhere else to go nowhere else to go somebody gets out of the portal you know I, I use that all the time this is peak Louis Gossett Jr. who won an oh. Oscar for his role peak Richard Gere uh, who was you know kind of the the modern day stud of his time American Gigolo and then of course he had a resurgence with um Joya Roberts and a pretty woman. Uh, it's a dimer for me. I, I love this, but we don't have many movies like this anymore. Uh, and I don't know what direction our American military is going in right now. It's kind of a scary place. But back then, this is when the military was the military. And uh, you like Louis Gossett Jr. Like that was that was a realist. You talk to people who are actually in the in the army, in the navy, in the in the armed forces, and they're the the dude from Full Metal Jacket and Louis Gossett Jr. Like those were very good portrayals of what it was like. They weren't worried about your feelings. The Joe Cocker song at the end, dude. Oh, I mean, come on. Lift uh, lift our hearts up where we belong. Where we belong. Deborah Winger, by the way, not a fiver or a dimer for me. I, I find her annoying. And and her and she apparently was really difficult to work with and thought she turned down a bunch of like mega mega roles because she thought she was like the next I don't know Mer- Meryl Streep Julia Roberts all worn, uh, tied up into one and and she really wasn't no not even close uh, no no uh, finally Home Alone 
We, we cover this a little bit on another show about the Christmas installment. I, I'll be honest, I've only seen this once in my life. I'm, I, I'm not big into Macaulay Culkin. Uh, it's a John Hughes film, who I think is one of the best who ever did it, but I saw it one. It was a one and done for me. Least favorite John Hughes film on earth. One of my least favorite. I don't, I know it's a yeah. Christmas movie. I, I just, I don't. Some people swear by it. It's their favorite Christmas movie. I can't, I can't get there. Joe freaking Pesci in it, you know? Yeah. But I, I think this one did it for me because I'm so used to Joe Pesci playing a certain type of character. And then in The Irishman, he's kind of in the same genre, but his acting chops take over and he's this different thing. And it was his, his character in Home Alone was a little too cartoon. Too more, too cartoonish for me. Uh, mm. Compared to like other comedies, like The Super or Farley died. Or no, no, wait a minute. No, nope, we're Myers. back. I'm sorry, that was my Myers. Okay, we're not gone. We're back for the wrap it up in 30 seconds. Anything? Oh, did I fade out? Yeah, you. We we everybody faded out there for 10 seconds. Oh my god. Okay, so. Uh, Anyway, yeah, that's a you know it was kind of like I I, just, I I think the Joe Pesci role in that movie is what made me not like it. Bottom line. Bottom line. All right. Hey, appreciate everybody tuning in once again. Don't forget the website, JC and Morgan. Appreciate the Chief Sports Network, home of uh, many great sports shows like this, including ITG, which is uh, underway as we speak. Some of you will head on over there. For the rest of you, we'll see you next time. For Mad Dog, for JC, it's Mike saying so long on another installment of JC and Morgan.